friends. How's it going? Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have with me Tobias Nathaniel. Now, Tobias is one of those guys who's been a part of a million things, and his career is really deep, but he's the guy in the shadows lurking, making everything sound sick. So he plays in a band called The Red Step, which is his current project, which you're going to hear a song of before the interview. And he was in a band called The Black Heart Procession. Um, That was his main kind of band. Career-wise, he was in Three Mile Pilot. He was in um, Blonde Redhead and a plethora more of projects. A really cool guy, really well-read, really well-spoken. I couldn't have asked for a cooler guy to chat with. Um, We're going to dive into it. We're going to listen to the first single they put out, which is Black Summer. Check this out. The Red Step, Black Summer, full length coming out soon. We'll listen to one more at the end of the podcast. So before we get into the interview, friends, if you can like, rate, subscribe, review the podcast, or um, hang out with us on YouTube, which we're now a part of, if you can hit the subscribe button and share the videos, it'd be greatly appreciated. It would help me keep doing this and having cool conversations and sharing them. So here we go. Tobias, Nathaniel, jump right into it then. Um, we're doing the Zig at the Gig podcast. I'm hanging out with Tobias Nathaniel. And um, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. So now you're, where are you exactly? Uh, I am in Belgrade, Serbia. Okay. Wow, man. So what's, okay, I thought, for some reason, I totally thought you were somewhere else. Um, I thought you were in England I for some reason. But, uh, uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. So how'd you end? Because you're from California, right? Yeah, from San Diego originally, <clears throat> and then I lived in Portland, Oregon for for twelve years. So I have a pretty strong connection there with the Pacific Northwest. And um, yeah, so uh, how'd I end up in Belgrade? Well, there's this uh, delightful uh, spirit here that people drink called rakia. And uh, I was hanging out with some friends, uh, and someone had brought a bottle of this stuff to the States. I tasted it, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, I could taste the culture. And I figured, you know, I don't know, something that good, I should probably, you know, come check it out. And um, so I, I ended up, you know, coming over and just stayed. Wow. Chase the, the uh, wine to the vine. I'm kidding. My my wife is from Belgrade. Oh, okay, well that would do it too. <laughs> but no, incidentally, it's it's super funny. The um, Bill Gould, the bassist of uh, Faith No More, yeah, actually has a brand of rakia huh. that I'm not sure if if it's distributed yet throughout all of the states. It might just be California for now. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's he he uh, he literally I, I believe fell in love with rakia when he was over here in in the Balkans and decided to you know pr- produce it himself. Or I think it's produced here in Serbia, but um, distributed there. Um, and it's a, it's a classic kind. It's called Shlivovica. It's a, a plum variety. It's kind of like a, sorry, I didn't explain it. It's kind of like brandy. Okay. Um, so, and, and oddly enough, his, his brand, his brand is called the Yebiga, which loosely translates in, uh, to uh, fuck it or fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common slang phrase. People are like, oh, damn it. Like, uh, it's, oh, Yebiga. It's, a, it's, it's up there. Um, Oh snap! It's up there. Uh, um, there we go. Sorry, my uh, my uh, recorder thing peaked, but it was still recording, so we're good. Um, oh. But um, it's up there. It's I don't know. It's on a on brand with those guys, I guess. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, do you do? Have you? Well, you've done a lot of work with a lot of different groups, man. Like your collab uh, sheet is pretty dense. Have you done work with uh, Faith No More? Any of their projects? Uh, unfortunately, not. Not that I wouldn't be, you know, interested. But nope, <laughs> not so far. That's cool. But who knows with this Serbian connection and and Rakia? It's, cool. it's interesting to kind of touch upon that, like how certain things from a culture can draw you into it. If it's a if it's a taste, if it's a sound, if it's a sight, there's something so like uh, appealing about different like senses from different places that can totally captivate you into it like uh, i had a buddy who was really into um uh he's studying film now but he really got into a uh, uh moroccan whiskey which is like a tea almost right it's like this uh tea with this mint and like he ended up going to morocco for a while okay so those kind of stories do exist all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, it wasn't impossible and you've got a personal experience with it yeah great <laughs> It's just, it's so fascinating what draws you to a culture, draws you in, and like, I don't know, that's really cool. So, so you ended, yeah, how long have so, you been there? Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, so my wife is from here, and that's why um, I ended up uh, landing here. But uh, no, it's just super interesting. Oh, I've been here for a little over five years, and okay. it is an interesting place. And, and prior to having moved here, um, it's very mysterious. I had never really spent much time in the Balkans. We had, of course, toured a lot, but, um, usually Belgrade is a little bit difficult to get to. You might have to fly in. It's not exactly on the you know usual tour circuit. Sometimes people make it to uh, Zagreb. But um, as far as Zagreb, and you know, it's possible to get here. It's just not easy. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, not having spent much time here, um, you know, I started looking it up online. And then when I came here, it's, it's, it's very different than what we're used to in the West. Um, the, you know, everything looks crazy. There's a, well, we've got like uh, Austro-Hungarian architecture, um, kind of from here to the north, Novi Sad, which is a, a town just a little bit like 40 minutes north of here. And then Subotica, which is close to the border of Hungary, um, has some amazing architecture here in Belgrade. Um, I live actually in New Belgrade, which is across the, the river from the center. Yeah. And here it's like a, a brutalist architecture appreciator's dream. Hmm. It's just these crazy, huge, monolithic, uh, utilitarian, concrete, gray, dour buildings. It's just awesome. I really actually dig the architecture. I think it takes a certain kind of person to appreciate it. But that and the Cyrillic language, there's a different, you know, writing system as well. For It's like they have Latin and Cyrillic, but everything was so mysterious and interesting, you know, and uh, absolutely. It, it's it's very appealing and it's super cool, fun, mysterious to move to a new place and sort of absorb absorb things. That's amazing. I, I've, I don't know, I'm a... I'm stuck in Cleveland, but, uh, you know, I'm all right with that, but I've always wanted to just explore. I get hyped up to go to a different state and that's essentially the same thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So to go to a completely, completely different country and like to live there, like how you are, that has to be super exciting. And, um, the, the architecture describing kind of reminds me a little bit of your style and music. Like, uh, (laughs) oddly enough, that makes sense. Like that you would be drawn to it. Um, Right. Yeah, there's a, there, there's definitely a connection. <laughs> so, uh, kind of before I leave the topic of that, um, music-wise, what's it like there? Is there like a scene, and it, does the scene work differently than it would here in the states? Um, a little bit. Like, I'll start by saying it, it's like in my experience, a little bit fragmented, but that's not necessarily true. Like I remember back in the days of San, like San Diego scene, we had like you know a scene and then a number of sub scenes. Yeah. And then at some point, those those scenes begin to cross over. People start playing with each other. So I suppose it's like that here. I mean, there's a very rich um, kind of musical uh, scene here in the 80s, like ex-U, ex-Yugoslavia rock. Um, so uh, a lot of great bands out of there, like uh, Ekaterina Velika, Disciplina Kichme, House Store. So there's, um, there's, a, there's a, like a strong history of music in this region especially for it being sort of like communist light back then. Um, one of the few, one of the few regions in the area that had a sort of thriving music scene. And as for now, yeah, there's great stuff. Like um, uh, there's a label called pop depression. Our friend, uh, even Lanchadovich, um, a lot of great stuff on there. Bands like uh, Stray Dog and Anna Turchin, this artist, solo artist, great singer. Um, and then my friend Urosh's studio, uh, it's called Down There Studios. I've spent a, quite a bit of time there, and there's a lot of interesting, cool, weird stuff coming out of there, um, and especially from like the younger generation, and I'm really happy to, to, to see that. They're kind of combining things in a tasteful, strange, cool way, like proggy, but with kind of post-punk. And um, yeah, so there's, there's definitely, um, definitely a scene. That's awesome. It's 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 super interesting that like um, just that it's all going on. It seems like it doesn't seem too different how you're describing it. Like it sounds like how you're saying like different. Like there's always going to be scenes and stuff, but like that's super. It's, I don't know. That's cool and it's interesting. 
it's cool that you're getting involved with the studio and are you helping out like with these younger bands and like um because getting doing studio work with that or just observing uh well i had this idea actually for a while to kind of like start working at the studio um as like an engineer producer and um so i spend a lot of time there with that in mind um and yeah that's how i saw them and also red step recorded there gotcha uh and uh at down their studio and urosh incidentally the <clears throat> the guy who runs it is uh, blackheart processions uh live did did our last couple tour a few tours oh, nice. um live sound yeah so and he also co co-produced with me the red step record so awesome. i you know hung out there quite a bit for various reasons but it's it's cool what's coming out and i am yeah hopeful that's exciting. That's super exciting. That's weird how like small the the world is to some degree. That is that um did that kind of lead to how you met your wife or did you meet uh the the sound tech through your wife kind of? Or was that yeah, completely so it's different? It's actually an interesting story. So I met um I met Urosh, who's the guy I'm, you know, in question. Yeah. The studio <laughs> uh, through Rudy, who's the bass player of Red Step and who is also my kum, which is Something like a combination of uh, Godfather and Best Man. Okay. <laughs> Here, so I, I think how this worked is, I mean, of course they knew each other, but they have a connection through uh, VW stuff. They're into like VW buses. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, awesome. and so Rudy mentioned to Urosh, I think at some point, like, oh, here's this dude from the states. It's this guy, and Urosh is very like aware of stuff, and he knew about Blackheart and. Um, so he's like, oh, you should, you know, have come over to the studio. So that's how I met Urosh. And another, like, indirect. <laughs> wow. So slightly direct. Well, yeah. It, mm -hmm. It's all that stuff that's indirect that end up ends up leading to you moving there. And, like, that's um, – they get involved with the studio with the kind of work you do because you dabble with everything. And I want to get into the red stuff in a minute more uh, more directly. But you uh, – you like with looking at the credits of what you've played on some of these albums, like there's some instruments I've, I had to look up like the Optagon, <laughs> like that's sure. a sick instrument where you run the, like those records in it. And it's like an organ that plays those records. Um, exactly. It's like a demented Mellotron. It's a really awesome sounding and it sounds like it's about to fall apart. It's it, like, and, you know, any minute. <laughs> it's so cool, but how you compose with it, um, but that that as far as like tracing like where's this guy coming from? I it, it's hard to tell because you do so you like make this like beautiful layer of sound with all these different projects that you've done. Um, so did you start on piano? I know this is kind of a side turn start, but um, did you start sure. on piano or did you start with guitar, or did you just start uh, first of all thank you thank you for the you know compliments. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I started with guitar. Um, Let's see, uh, the, the medium to long version is, um, I, when I was younger, I had a, I'm, I'm left-handed, and so my parents, uh, I, I was into guitar, I used to sit around listening to um, Pink Floyd, The Wall, and Dark Side of the Moon, and some Yes records on, uh, records, on eight-track tape, actually, with headphones, and <laughs> so they're like, oh, he's into rock, let's get him some kind of, you know, instrument, and it ended up being like a left-handed ukulele, um, oh, yeah. which... <laughs> Uh, that didn't stick around long. Um, and then later on, I got this kind of like Sears special shitty, you know, electric guitar and yeah. amplifier combo thing. And that sort of didn't last long. And 
at one point i think i was long? sorry physically didn't last What's long that? like it fell apart like the oh, no. <laughs> or interest didn't last long i think probably probably both okay right. sorry i didn't mean to cut you out but <laughs> no no not at all uh and then um what really kind of got me going was um I was hanging out with a friend when I was around 15 and um, he's like, have you heard this band Metallica? And I'm like, no. And well, I actually had heard of them. It's not totally true, (laughs) but I hadn't really listened. And um, so he had master of puppets, put it on on vinyl. And it was like, just like a whole world opened that I had no idea existed before. So um, just like the, you know, everything about that album was amazing like the energy the aggression the sophistication complexity um it just like completely blew me away and and just these like homages to you know kind of some sort of classical sounding like harmonies um so so then i started playing thrash guitar and i was like i gotta do this so thrash guitar was my first instrument um and i got into bands like you know coroner testament um of course, Megadeth, all that stuff. That's awesome. I mean, those as far as like theory wise and like attitude wise, thrash bands are where it's at. Especially with like uh, Megadeth and Metallica, like they break into some complicated things, and it's not like which kind of hearing that like your music's got this like aura, this space that you could you create with all these different sounds and like. Coming from Pink Floyd, you know, that's a band that has, like, a, a space, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't know, it's starting to make more sense to now that I'm hearing some of your influences where the, the sound that you make, that you've curated throughout your career has kind of come from. So what brought um, – sorry, I did, I was, you were about to say oh, something. Oh, no, I was going to say we're, we're, we're developing a theme here of indirect yeah. <laughs> throughout the, of the talk. Yeah, sort of, like, indirect things. Um, just things that were embedded early, yeah. uh, that kind of stuck around and people, a lot of people think that I, that I am a classically trained pianist and I'm not. And it came this, it came from this other way around. Like I, I gained appreciation for that stuff indirectly. Gotcha. Which, which makes sense. So, so coming from the guitar, when did piano become the way of emoting expression? Like, yeah. So, um, after having done thrash guitar for a while, my high school at the time, which was one of the few left that had, a, you know, a music curriculum, they were like cutting all that stuff, like, like viciously back then. This would have been like 89 or something. And um, so uh, I started meeting people through doing metal and, and whatever. And, and they're like, you should join this jazz, this, the school jazz band. And um, in order to join, uh, it was required that you studied theory, jazz theory, and take lessons from someone who um, who they appro- they approved or suggested that you take specific instrument lessons with. Uh, so I started doing that. Ended up, you know, playing and studying jazz for a while, and then uh, after high school, uh, I, I, I kind of stopped doing music uh, and. I would sit down at guitar once in a, with the guitar once in a while, and I don't know, like I would hear something in my head, and I would sit down at the guitar, and my fingers would just like screw it all up. Like I'm like, ah, that's that's not it. My fingers are doing these jazz patterns and or thrash something. <laughs> so um, it it was causing a problem. So 
um, a little bit later, I had moved into this punk rock house, and we had a Hammond B3 in the basement. And I was like, this is interesting. And I remember sitting at that thing and going like, I have no idea what I'm doing on this. And um, uh, my fingers, you know, just started, you know, playing things. And like the idea there, what ended up happening is that um, like the idea, because of my, I didn't have any real like technique uh, <laughs> on on that particular instrument or, or knowledge of what to do where these patterns would emerge and sort of take over. I think the idea whatever was in my head, uh, there's a closer connection uh, to what ended up coming out. And so I kind of dropped guitar for a while and started exploring this other instrument. And fortunately I had, you know, enough technique uh, training and ability to, you know, kind of fake it along well enough, <laughs> or I understood the, the, you know, the, the basis of it in order to develop it on my own. Uh, so that's how keyboards and piano started. Gotcha. Interesting. Cause like, well, so with jazz, when you were studying jazz, it was on guitar. Yes. Okay. That that's that makes it kind of makes a lot of sense because to some degree with jazz or with like, uh, I think of um, Indian classical music, like you study these patterns right so much, and when it comes time to actually playing, you kind of try to ignore that and you break all these rules and like, but it's because you studied everything so intensely that when it comes time to express. There's not like this, uh, there's this freedom out of this like rigid studying, which can lead to like some weird turns. Like, um, it makes me think of a, there's this Bruce Lee quote with, um, uh, today the classical man dies and like is born the Bruce Lee that we know, right? So like he moved on from all these rigid styles and structure to just become this thing where he was expressing himself in a different way, which was a combination of all these different things. So it, it's really interesting that for you, it was this um, instrument that led to, or it led to this instrument that you haven't played before. Right, right. Sorry, there was an interruption. Oh, that's um, okay. <laughs> but, Want me to repeat? Or? Yeah. Uh, uh, sure. Yes, please. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's all good. Maybe I can. I'll, I'll get a cliff note. It. Um. So like. Um, so the, sorry. What, where did it, where oh did yeah, it so I got, I got, I was, we were, we were at the Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee thing. Okay. Um, this so, sort of classicism and then breaking the rules. Yeah, yeah. So right, like you, you're stuck, you're stuck in this classical structure, and you study all these different styles. And when it comes down to like expressing yourself, it ends up being this combination of all these things and not a specific style. So it's interesting for you that um, learning all this like technique and all these different um, styles and stuff on one particular instrument when it, you came to this different instrument and just became like how you said closer to what you were thinking and feeling and just came out that way. Absolutely. There's sort of two points there. Like um, I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, and I think there's this like amalgamation of, of things swirling around in your head that you've heard before and um, they sort of create something weird on their own. So this, this also sort of, I don't know, combination of, of, of weird things. Um, and then, yeah, and again, for me with, with, the, with the piano, I, I wanted to shed a lot of this technique and theory yeah. because it wasn't, it wasn't working in terms of, of what I wanted to do and what I was hearing. So, um, you know, it takes all, all, there's all kinds of ways to write and, and do things for me that worked out. And now I'm comfortable on guitar again. I kind of got rid of that, the, those, those limiting things and am now able to kind of, like you mentioned, utilize the, 
those things I've learned. I, I, I rarely use jazz theory, but yeah. it can help from time to time. And like, am I stuck on a harmony note? Okay, that'll do. <laughs> but it's hip now. It's chromatic. It yeah. works. It's bop. <laughs> Was it? It's interesting that um that that's how it ended up being. But so you were in this punk house, right? With this this B three organ, and like, is what what led to Day Called Zero? Was that those oh. times? Exactly. So, uh, Day Called Zero, I played bass. There's actually a band before, if we want to start, um, unless you want to talk about it later, Struggle, yeah. which is a hardcore hardcore band. So, that was still in the guitar days. Um, Got you. Okay. So, so from that, that was kind of like my well, first, first like published thing, yeah. um, playing, playing kind of metally sounding hardcore stuff and then yes exactly so this punk rock house which we was called the winder street house um there was actually a band that was concurrent with with day called zero called the young destroyers and that band was pretty garagey sort of spooky uh it was bass organ drums and vocals kind of garagey a little bit dubby okay and so the organ the organ i was organ there and and uh and then so then at the same time, this guy, uh, my good friend Josh Kwan, um, he played drums in The Young Destroyers and guitar. He wrote these amazing guitar lines for A Day Called Zero. So I played bass in Day Called Zero. But both of those bands were happening at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. When I was looking into your uh, your career, man, there's a lot going on. And like, and you're kind of some sometimes you're uh, um, credited as Tobias and Toby and then like, like, wait, which one is which? So, okay, so that, but that makes sense because that's how life is. When you're doing music, you want to be in as many things as possible because there's no guarantee that anything's going to pan out. You know what I mean? So, like, especially at the beginning, you're trying to latch on to anything that seems like it's going to be fun or promising or <laughs> something you want to be involved in. Sure, yeah, and the, and the the music from that time that we were making just kind of an extension of our you know values and what we were doing. And, um, you know, the funny thing is that, uh, back then a, a band like a day called zero would be considered emo before emo, before emo earned it, its new moniker. <laughs> yeah. It was but, like, uh, uh, the Ian McKay, um, emo. I'm trying to think of the, embrace. the old school emo. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Even I think bands like unwound were like at that time considered some kind of emo post-punk, you know, noise. Genres are weird. I don't like genres. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I like what, the genres. Yeah, I just I, I was talking to Mike Watt, and he's got this whole spiel about genres, but like, mm-hmm. but emotional. Well, you know, it's it, all music's emotional to some degree. <laughs> like, and if it's right, not, right. I don't know if it's music. But like, wh- where's that coming from? Or um, uh, indie or uh, alternative rock? Where the, what's what's the qualification that makes? these genres or these these bands these genre besides who to hang out with totally yeah it's a strange it's a strange concept and um i don't know what matters to me pretty much primarily is is um genuineness and taste yeah so i think that there are a lot of like you know you could call certain things cross genre whatever but if, if it's coming if you're real about it and it's coming from some place that you believe in I think that's really important. And in terms of the taste thing, I mean, there, there are some like seriously unholy combinations of music that should just not have never existed or never exist. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever genre cross crossovers, but that's the taste part. It's like, do you, I don't know, for example, with the red step, it's sort of garagey, 
post Spunky, and then I was like, ooh, cello would be cool. So, but I had an idea of what the cello should be doing there. It should add some sophistication and, um, you know, a little bit of melancholy or spookiness and cool harmonic uh, support. So I don't know. I think those things are, those things are very important to me. Like, you know, do you mean what you're doing and like have a sense of taste about it? Definitely. And like, I feel like with any project or with any band, that's what's going to make it stick out. People are going to, I think people are more emotionally like attached to something like, or people wise, like, or personnel wise, right? If someone in that band truly means it, like the, the band's going to carry, um, convey, or, you know what I mean? Like, or if it's the band itself can truly convey itself, people are going to, um, hook, uh, hitch onto that. They're going to, it's not going to be seen as just like, that's the cha-cha band in the back. They're, they're holding down the restaurant, you know, when someone truly does something that's like coming from inside them, no matter what, even if it is in a cha-cha band, people are going to be like, cool. You know, there's just something that's so appealing to people about emotion, about people. Um, right, right. No, I totally agree completely. So like, and, but then here's the, here's the other news is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of like mainstream huge bands that also mean it. <laughs> They're also being genuine and yeah. they also connect. So I find it funny this like, you know, when people are very limiting, it's like, I only like this sort of music. And it's like, well, you know, I don't necessarily like, you know, whatever, certain mainstream things, but I'm like, I can tell that they're being genuine and they need <laughs> So, yeah. and that's why it connects. No, I agree with that. And I think the more you do it too, with whatever your, uh, your medium is, and you, you, you start to see past certain things, you're like, well, you know what? That guy, that's truly who he is. He's the cha-cha band guy. I don't know why I'm talking about cha-cha music, but uh, he's, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's I his thing. <laughs> like, And there's something right. so punk rock about that. Like, uh, this the philosophy of someone finding the thing of who they are and what they do and like, or maybe not the philosophy, but the seeing someone who's self-actualized and truly embracing it is so appealing no matter what it is. Like, and like... Like, I agree with what you're saying with, like, a bigger groups. It seems so plastered, and you can kind of, like, well, yeah, of course that's how they feel. And if that, that someone wrote that, that's why that was the perfect answer to that question. But there's definitely some people who are just up there living their best life, doing doing the thing they wanted to do. And, like, I, I agree. Like, you, even if it's not your cup of tea, you can at least appreciate someone living their, their true self to some degree. <laughs> or to every degree in that case. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think it makes a, it makes a difference, um, you know, for a lot of people. Some people are just, you know, they're like, oh, music, it's sort of a background thing. I mean, this also, this can, you know, transcend the, border, transcend the borders of music, too, into anything, like artwork, visual stuff, film, anything. Um, you can, you get a sense of that genuinity, genuineness. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, make a connection with it. And it's, it's interesting who, who's appealed to it. Like, uh, I'm a music teacher as a day gig, and like, oh, there's okay. just some kids... I, I can't get through and that's okay. You know, the, sometimes they're more into talking to me than anything I will ever teach them. And like, that's just them. And like, th everyone's got something that, something, something that appeals to them. And it's, it's interesting when music is like, I find interesting when someone has no, usually someone's got a thing. They're like, you know what? I like the Pokemon theme, whatever. Like, they're, they're, <laughs> right, right. They're, there's some piece of music that moves in, but sometimes there's not, and that's that's totally cool. It's just really uh, 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 profound, I think, that someone who's just that it is just a background thing. But 
a lot of times they're more interested. I imagine like you've um, probably come across if anyone is like that, they're interested in the amount of traveling you've done or the amount of like, what's that life like? And like, uh, so oh, yeah. there's some other <laughs> type of appeal to it. At... No, absolutely. And back to the, the previous point. Um, <clears throat> no, there was a long period of time in my life where I just didn't understand music and why my friends liked it. <laughs> like, what is, what is this thing you're listening to on the radio and why is it cool? But I was like, I'll go along with it because I guess they like it. And then a few things happened. Like I heard, I heard like Dead Kennedys and PIL nice. kind of, this was like a little bit pre the Metallica thing, but those things stuck with me. And to this day, I love or like early PIL, Dead Kennedys, there's something super special about them musically beyond the message. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, and like those things, like, so I do understand what it's like to just sort of have this ambivalence or um, just not understanding like why <laughs> people like what they do. That's yeah. Like, yeah, I totally understand that. Like, was it a side note? Have you heard Jello's new record? I have not. Oh man, it's awesome. It's what I would imagine it would be like hearing the dead Kennedys, like in the Reagan era, <laughs> like, but for this era. <laughs> Super nice. I'll have to. I'll check it out yeah, directly it, after. It's heavy, man. It's awesome. Um, awesome. I, I have no doubt. <laughs> so okay, kind of winding the narrative. When did Three Mile Pilot? Uh, <clears throat> Three Mile Pilot. When did that start? Uh, they were actually the story with with my involvement with them is that they were um, they were a fairly popular band in San, in San Diego, like okay. kind of in the you know, indie alternative scene. And, um, they were in fact, they're actually one of my favorite bands, local bands. And they'd been around, I can't remember when they started late, late eighties, something like that. Okay. Um, so they were around for a while and I, um, again, this is part of that, like scene cross pollinization or like, you know, a bit fragmentation. Um, I knew I had met Paul, the singer, uh, but you know, they, they we weren't always all at the same shows um <laughs> together and so they had at that point at some point like san, san diego was starting to get to be considered or like flirted with as the new seattle you know like here's a new thing like bands like rocket from the crypt drive like jehu um through mount pilot so a lot of these bands were getting um you know kind of like swept up by the major labels and three mile pilot was one of those and so they had basically finished a record for Geffen and uh, they were before that just a three piece. So the, the previous record um, uh, assassin chief assassin to the sinister that Paul started playing a little bit of guitar and is a little bit more kind of noisy guitar. And before that it was just bass drums and vocals. So on, on another desert, another sea, they added, in the studio, a lot of different, like, you know, supplementary parts, organ or guitar parts. Um, and they, they had finished the record and they came back and they were looking for someone who was a multi-instrumentalist. And um, so they actually, I think Paul called the Winder Street house where I was living, this punk rock house, and um, talked to, to my friend Josh, who was Day Cult Zero guy. Um, he's like, do you know anyone who can play, you know, kind of everything? Like, <laughs> you know, drums, bass keyboards guitar whatever and he's like oh you should talk to toby um so paul and i had met before but then um uh we talked a bit then i went and did a you know what quote unquote like what would it be audition <laughs> it's just such a stupid word but it was you know it wasn't like an official audition i went in and played and we all 
got along really well and and it was clearly like had some there was good connection good vibe musically and so that's how i started with them and um to make this even longer um <laughs> so uh the label of course um as label you know major labels do they weren't happy with the record and they didn't think there was a single on there yeah so uh, so they we kind of started writing a little bit together more with me as a, a, a writing component um and that's how I kind of started playing playing with them. Gotcha. So while that's super interesting because like when you're expanding uh, from the record to the live show, you know, you it's either you accept that the band did something in the studio and that's that's the record. And when you see them live, you get something different. And because uh, sometimes trying to add to that adds too much complexity. But it sounds like with um, the height that they were at, they can totally uh, not. I don't want to say financially, but afford to expand like that. And I love the fact that they called the punk house you know what i mean there's something <laughs> so <laughs> pure about all these people in one spot like we we can barely afford this rent but we're all here and you're gonna know somebody and we're gonna do this and it's gonna be awesome like i was talking with a uh, joe lally from fugazi and the yeah, importance yep. of yeah, he's great guy he's mm -hmm. so, he's the best guy we did a project with my students and he's just one of the nicest people in the world but like absolutely the the, the importance of the punk house is so like underrated you think it's this grimy like nasty place with but <laughs> the beauty that comes out of that um that's my spiel on that but uh, going through with that so when you guys started writing together is that when the, like the connect with you and paul really started to develop like exactly exactly so um my i mean so yeah my capacity with with three mile pilot there was like the label was looking for some uh, this is all just a boring, stupid, standard major label ruining bands horseshit. But <laughs> maybe people can, maybe they haven't heard it before. So yeah, again with the singles, they're like, you know, we can't. You know, of course, they sign a band that they're like, this band is awesome, and then they're like, let's change the shit out of it until it's something so different that it's unrecognizable completely. Mm. Um, <laughs> so uh, at any rate, yeah, just I, I became the A and R guy. I was like, oh, you got this new guy. Maybe involve him a little bit. Um, so yeah, we we did that. And, uh, the label eventually decided that, um, you know, they didn't want to put it out. Luckily they didn't shelve it. They gave it back like, That's cool. um, no strings attached, which is awesome. They yeah, could have, you know, cool. could have gone the other way. And, um, just after that whole experience and those guys had it longer than I did, but it was like, let's do, let's do something that is purely creative and really like, we can just do whatever we want. There's no limitations. Um, and uh, you know, there's no label saying what's, you know, what they want or what they don't want or whatever. And so that's kind of the, the birth of Blackheart, Paul and I wanting to do weird stuff and, and, you know, musical saw and no, no, like everything goes. We, we, the, the, uh, one of the first instruments that we used was a, a broken student xylophone that started our waiter series. Like it was just anything around to be creative. That's awesome. Well, it, it, Blackheart's got such this vibe. And it's, it's, it's like you say, it's a free vibe. There's this thing going in there and like, um, compositional wise, I, you, I, from where you go from there, really like with that first record, you can really hear stuff beginning. And like when you, so with you and Paul, was there like a certain moment within the three mile pilot, um, the writing, the, I guess, um, forced writing that like, was there a certain thing where you're like, he's into that, I'm into this, this is why this is working, or, or this, I can see us doing something cooler than this, or was it, like, kind of just, like, the, we're vibing, and it's, 
he's think he played what I thought he was going to play without me saying it type deal. Uh, well, let's see. It's a combination of things. Okay. So, <laughs> and, and there's more to the story in terms of the, you know, the sort of birth, birth of Blackheart. Um, yeah. We had been living, to, I was living with Paul actually, like it just turned out that he had a room available. So I moved in with him, you know, toward the end of Three Mile Pilot. And out of the punk house. Um, yeah, yeah. Out of the punk house into Paul's house. <laughs> <laughs> Blackheart house. So, uh, and he had a bunch of, you know, weird instruments. We had just broken up with our respective girlfriends and were, you know, in this sad, yeah. sad mode. So things just kind of like, um, I don't know, I think we, we developed a connection aside and my role with, with three mile pilot, it, it wasn't like huge. It was just, I ended up on a, a few songs, yeah. um, on the record was released later through cargo records. Um, but then I, th- I think it was just our desire to have this freedom and, um, just sort of scorn and, you know, go against all of this major label horseshit that we found so distasteful and, and, uh, unsavory and sad. <laughs> That's all, it, that kind of goes back to like the, what we talked about earlier, what inspires certain projects or what, um, conveys, uh, or, um, draws people to certain projects is just like this passion and it's like trueness to it so you guys are coming from that and like respectively going through shitty situations and like kind of having a um, a homie there to do that with is a huge deal just as a going through a breakup or whatever having a friend and then having a friend going through the same sitch like there's something Mm -hmm. that that, you know that that relationship carries through but that have a creative outlet like you guys did um, so some- no, it was great. It was great. Well, another quick thing related to that is that uh, I, something I don't think a lot of people get, especially with the first Black Art record, it was very tongue in cheek. Like we were being sarcastic about it. It wasn't, you know, if a lot of the lyrics were, you know, there was heart in every, almost every title, like yeah. song title. <laughs> like we we kind of were making fun of ourselves a bit, and um, I think that's part of the this genuineness that comes through. It's like not the usual, like, let's look at all the complete darkness and, you know, focus on that. It was a little bit like, let's have some levity and laugh at ourselves. Like this is absurdity. It's human life. And like, <laughs> so I think that can help contribute to this, you know, sense of genuinity that maybe people can connect with gotcha. there. There's like, well, and even like, I don't know, uh, what's the word? Sar- sarcasm to some degree or like the lack of like, um, headiness, you know what I mean? Like almost like a, a kind of like, nodding towards something that's like deep and heady but also being light about it lets the delivery of that impact more because you're like oh these guys are real dudes or like even like if you think of a dead kennedy's like that music is so full of sarcasm right they're saying some (laughs) serious shit but like uh kill 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 the poor song like buddy holly almost you know what i mean like there's exactly right there that makes so much more sense why it would be even more appealing then you know um, so when you guys branched into the scene playing out live, how was it taking like something like like bringing this vibe into a venue? Like, because it at first was it just the two of you, and then added a few members um, as you went on and as you needed people to fill in. Yeah, more or less. And and to this day, it's just sometimes we we're in the mood to do something stripped down as a two piece. And then sometimes we're, you know, in the mood to have <laughs> a whole lot more people or if they're available or it's just, you know, there's no sort of deliberate, uh, I don't know, like direction there. It just kind of depends. But certainly early on, uh, the idea with, with Paul and I was like, let's do this thing. It's, it's, it'll be our thing. 
And even in the early days, we're like, we can't say no to each other. Like, if you bring an idea, I can't say no. I just have to do something with it. That's awesome. Um, and and as far as bringing it, uh, like playing playing live, something about Blackheart. If if for those who haven't seen Blackheart live, it's not quiet. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's powerful. Awesome. And the uh, in the early days, the piano was well for the first three records. Pretty much, there was no bass guitar live, so the piano filled that role. So I would construct the sort of piano left hand bass parts to be very like strong. Um, and so w- whether or not it, it would be strong enough to have drums there. And it's not like I would turn down when there were no drums. <laughs> so li- lives speaking about live. Yeah. There, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, perhaps a different vibe than most people would think. Um, and it was except, Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like, you know, bit distracted today but the um in, in terms of how it was accepted yeah i think people were as with everything a little bit confused at first and then they're like oh this is cool and okay because <laughs> like um i imagine like live depending on like some some bands when you see them live or like when you see the performance live before you hear the record like some things stick out more because you see it happening right like uh, mm-hmm. with just the two of you making that whole vibe of a, like and bringing it in a different way than it would be on the record, some people may be more drawn to that and like like oh these it's all these two guys were on the record you you assume like oh it's those two guys but you know one day he brought in the saw the next day was the piano you know <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. it was layered but when you see it all come at one time there's I don't know there's something to that and like kind of going uh, a question about piano playing when going from guitar to like being able to like do the two-handed thing was that a big uh um challenge for you because as a i'm a guitar what? player and like the two-handed thing on piano with me is like uh <laughs> yeah this might have something to do with two things uh being left-handed oh, i actually nice. find it weird so so for me being able to have my left hand as the fretting hand which i consider to be the more difficult thing um it's weird, you know, but most people have the, you know, they fret with the right hand. Um, there's that. And then having been like a guitar nerd and into, into high, highly technical stuff, of course, you know, tapping comes to the, yeah. That's piano. <laughs> to That's the a... picture. So it actually felt fine. Like I didn't have too much of an issue okay. like um, with it. Cool. 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 Was that like, uh, it's interesting. Tapping sounds so lame on the piano. Like <laughs> on the guitar, it's so sick. But part of that is the scene, right? You see the guy use both hands, yeah. you're like, ah. Because I was, I was doing right, a, right. a lesson with my students about Van Halen because he just passed, and I'm like, this yeah. guy changed that... a lot. And like, I'm like, we were doing piano that day, so I found like um, a video of someone playing Eruption on the piano, and we watched down the guitar, and they're like, oh, sick. And then we watched the piano version, and they're like, huh, like, because just... <laughs> right, that's just normal. That's how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, no, right. <laughs> sounds like well no it just because on guitar you know like these pentatonic riffs with the distortion sound way cooler than just like the keys you know like it oh, sounds right. like, like madness a little bit like totally um but all right so um okay so you and paul and like blackheart you guys did a lot of records and like throughout this time i imagine like that led to a lot of these other projects you kind of got involved with because as Blackheart grew as a group and grew with a fan base and like now with Blackheart was it all uh, you guys weren't label right because this was all uh, sorry 
No, no, no. I, I misunderstood. We weren't a, a, a label. Yeah, or you weren't on a label, right? Ah, yeah. Label. So we were. So the okay. fr- the first uh, Black Heart album came out on Cargo Records, which is a um, same with the longtime San Diego yeah. like Drive Like Jehu Rocket. Um, a bunch of, of of great San Diego bands were on that label, and then for the second, third, fourth, and fifth records, we were on Touch and Go Records. Gotcha. Oh, you know what? That makes sense because there was the the Fold compilation um, that had one of your guys' tunes on there with like Black Motorcycle Club and other. I should have put that together. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. There's a label. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and then sixth record, Temporary Residence. After after Touch and Go, sort of changed their um, their dynamic. Okay. Um, so as like you were involved with that, is that what kind of led to some of these other projects, like with a uh, blonde hot, uh, blonde redhead, which I always keep saying redhead blonde, um, or I'm saying it backwards <laughs> either way right now. But like, is that kind of what led to uh, working with those guys? Uh, yeah, th- totally directly. Um, yeah. So um, Touch and Go being a pretty punk punk rocky uh, label, especially in terms of values and. Um, you talk to Joe, so, you know, same kind of deal with like the discord and everything. Um, so, um, you know, part of that is like the, the, the label is kind of like all the bands on the label are, it's like a little family. And, um, we ended up touring with, with, you know, some, some bands on the label doing tours together. Um, one of my favorites was Manor Aster, man. I don't know if you've heard of them. No, I'll have to dive into it. Sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. Really cool, like high-powered kind of like garage stuff with, with uh, like live, they're insane. They have this like kind of 60s sci-fi uh, aesthetic going on. And they have like a, a te- huge Tesla coil on what? on stage. That's they use so theremin. <laughs> so, yeah, we ended up touring together. Like our, our music, you know, kind of in a, in a – in core terms doesn't have much to do with, with each other but yeah. like the theremin and the saw sound kind of similar uh, they're they like do. this they're sci-fi to where we're horror so there are these other connections that worked really well and so of course we ended up playing with each other on stage and all that um so this is what happened with with blonde redhead pretty much we, d- we did some uh, some touring together got kind of close and um they we actually introduced them to the people at Bear Creek Studios where they ended up recording this melody of certain damaged lemons. And I think the next one, maybe even the next one. Um, and so they asked if, if um, I would come play piano on a handful of songs. That's how that worked. Okay. All right. what was it like so yeah, like you said, pr- pretty much just like, you know, through, through Blackheart, through meeting people based on that and through the label. That's all. It's the beauty, the beauty of how small the world gets is, I don't know, to me, like everything's so absurd in the fact that you know this person or you come and kind of, is like, it, it makes no sense, but it's so beautiful at the same time, just per chance. Um, with a, so how was it working with those guys? Because they're a particular group and they got a vibe that I can see like where your like composition style kind of fits. Like jumping in, working with them, was it like a weird as I imagine because you do a lot of studio stuff like so you're probably used to just fit in the group and finding where they're coming from and matching uh what they're going for but uh with that group in particular was there any like um interesting like um i don't know experience or was it w- weird working with like uh, a group as particular as them because they get like with three people in their band like just live they get a, they fill it yeah um, yeah, no, totally. Uh, not so much. It was actually pretty 
I don't know, felt everything felt fine. They they sent me actually a cassette tape um, with the songs that they had in mind with basic like some basic chord changes and like a primary melody with uh-huh. Kazu. I think maybe even Kazu saying yeah something. So I had these these like skeletons, um, and I wrote the piano parts um, based on that and. I flew up to the studio and, and recorded them. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. And also the thing with, with them is that record was a, like a sort of like a, a changing point for them. Their sound drastically changed um, on that album. Like, I think they kind of branched out. They had a more like um, this, this more specific, like art rock post punk yeah. kind of thing going before. And that record, they really opened up and, you know, things sound kind of Beatles ish or whatever. I think they just expanded, expanded their palette musically because yeah. i think that on was, that album that was like what 2000 that release the first one you said you did um yeah boy <laughs> bad memory <laughs> something like that okay all right Sense. <laughs> but so what kind of, okay coming from like this thrash and like this like this which is what red steps kind of like alluding to now which is really cool um but when did like the idea of like compose was it through Blackheart that um your compositional skills like really kind of like developed and like techniques and stuff started to like manifest in your playing or was it like a, a study a personal study you've done aside all this and just applied well f- again for me the, the 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 thing that's important is the idea itself so mm. it, for instance like the one in your head so to get that out um like for for instance I'll hear a piano thing in my head and it can be a struggle, especially early on, like what you're talking about. Early on, I had to really figure out uh, how to make that work, <laughs> you know, on piano. We're on organ before that. Um, and then on drums or whatever, if you hear a kind of more complete piece, um, just figuring out how to make all those instruments, you know, learning, learning the technique. So for me, it's like I didn't really try beyond making myself be able to play what I was hearing with, with, with an eye toward detail and, and um you know, understanding things like, like how the tone should be, how the notes should be struck. Um, and then later with singing with, with red step, like how to, like, what kind of vibrato do I want at the end of my voice? What should, you know, all those little details that you have musically. Um, so, so hearing those things and just making them happen is kind of how that worked. So, I didn't okay. lose. That makes sense. As it, as, as you need to develop those skills, you do. Um, so before kind of, I got some red step questions, but before getting to that, there's a couple projects that I don't think you ever recorded with that I'm kind of bummed about. But um, there was two uh, two cute boys. Whatever happened to that group? <laughs> and oh, oh yeah. Okay. So what's the other one? <laughs> I was gonna say uh, Bermuda Blackhand or uh, Bermuda and the Blackhand, which it probably became Blackheart. But I'm super. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was curious how did, how did you like how did those like material, how'd those come up? <laughs> um, I'm just going to take the Nardward out and be like, you're Toby. We need to know. Um, I did his, I did no, a yeah. amount of research before, uh, before talking. So that's a lot. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's some serious business stuff that I, I wasn't even aware was available <laughs> to be found anywhere. The internet's yeah. Two cute man. boys. Was, we played with, we played uh, Rob Crow. Who's, I guess now known for, you know, Pinback and a, a bunch of his other tons of projects that he does. Yeah. I think we played a show, one of our earliest shows before we had a name um, was with Thingy, okay. one of Rob's main things he's done. And um, 
we didn't have a name. And so actually this is a super funny story. Like our local coffee shop that was near the punk rock house, yeah. you know, where people would put things and everything. So I remember um, Paul and I went in there and there was a flyer for that show and it just said two cute boys <laughs> for us. It, it was Rob. Rob did it. And we were like, what the hell buddy? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> but good, total, total Rob sense of humor. So I, I think we have him to thank for that. And, uh, Bermuda and the Black Hand was yeah just just before. Um, okay, That's a, we we weren't sure, but that was what we had at the moment. It's not a bad it's not a bad first uh, incarnation, you know. That's still a, that's a cool name. I th- it's it's approaching, yeah, yeah. It's it's close. <laughs> well, the two cute boys should come out with the record, man. You got to bring that project back. <laughs> but, I'll talk to Paul. <laughs> we're talking about doing some new black carpet. I'll be like, look, man. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is a concept. That one show. I think we, we should. I think we should take it way back to the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But okay, so now you're doing the red step and it's, it's drawn on these, like these punk roots, this kind of threat you're on guitar and you're fronting it, which is really cool because you, not that you weren't fronting it with Blackheart, but it's, it's different when you're with someone else, right? When you're taking a project and you, you got your right hand man or left hand man, depending where you stand on the stage. But when you're going into it and you have someone with you, it's like we're we're doing this together. But when it's just on you, and this is a I think this is a concept you've been um, going back and forth with for a while, right? The idea of the Red Step Band. Um, yeah. Well, th- this all happens sort of organically. But yeah, no, I I agree with you with the Blackheart thing. Like Paul and I are sort of a unit. And he has his role, but I think it's, you know, we both consider ourselves necessary. And, um, yeah, but yeah, for Red Step, it's more like there, I'm in the front with singing and playing guitar, which I'd never done before, especially the singing thing. So, um, sorry, I forgot your question. Oh, it's all good. Um, but yeah, man, I forgot how I phrased it. (laughs) Uh, Um, something about how, how did it happen or how did I, no, no, I I think uh, you've been, the project Red Step has been, I've read about it in a couple other things. So I think, has this been a thing you've been working on for a while, before even before oh, yeah. now? Like as a concept that you wanted to do this record and you wanted to front it, you know, and take that role. Uh, okay, perfect. Yes, thank you for the reminder. Um, so <laughs> this happened like this. Like I, I moved here um, and met my some of my wife's family, for instance, uh, Vlada. Uh, Markowski, who's uh, her brother, who plays drums yeah. uh, in the band. Uh, Rudy was a friend. Uh, again, my coom, Boris, uh, the keyboard player. Those yeah. guys all came from a band here called Kaznazaushi, which was a kind of a 90s like um, garage, kind of like post-punky garage thing. I actually went to see them play. I'm like, wow, these guys are great players. And they ended up asking me, like, well, you know, like, uh, you're this, you know, American musician guy, and like we should we should jam. And I was like, well, not so much into jamming, but why not? I had I had a few ideas. Um, I had actually moved back to San Diego from from Portland um, for a few months with the idea of kind of starting something different and new with some friends there. And so I already had this. Um, I wanted to kind of pick the guitar back up again. So I had a, a few guitar ideas that were a little more, you know, and also you know you make six albums and spend all those you know decade plus making sad stuff it's like okay i need something better like or something different like i'm I'm not necessarily depressed i want to do something else um and then uh so i had these ideas we got together and they're like okay like we just started just kept going and 
songs kind of started working. And um, and as for as for the singing thing, no, I I actually was looking for a singer here, but the I wanted someone who could sing in English and yeah. do it in a specific way. And I'll tell the story real quick again if, if it's not we're not running out of time, but. Um, mm-hmm. We had a guy, there's a guy, uh, this guy, Nikola Vrankovic here. He's from a, a, a kind of pretty popular like alternative band from the 90s called Blockout from Belgrade. And uh, he's mutual friends with those guys, So, or, or he's a mutual friend. So he ended up coming to one of the practices. And um, I don't know, I was talking, I asked him, like, do you know anyone who could sing like this kind of way or in English or whatever? And he's like, well, I don't know. Why don't you, why don't you do it? <laughs> and it was like wait, what do you mean? Like, it just had never occurred to me that that was, could be my role or something that I should do. And he said, look, go try it. Like, um, just go, go sing something. Like you have an idea for melody. I'm like, yeah. He's like, go do it right now (laughs) during the practice. So I I did. And it was fucking horrible, but he, but he's like, give it six months. You're going to be totally fine. Just, just keep going. (laughs) So that's how that worked out. It was sort of an unintentional front. That's person awesome. i never had i never really had it in mind as something deliberate all these things just kind of unfolded as they did yeah but that's the beauty of it and especially with like vocal stuff like i just personally as i uh, developed vocal and like learning learning how to sing and like it's different because with an instrument like with the piano with the guitar this is a g every time i play it, it's a g you know what i mean like i know that is going to be that but when you sing it's there's all these different variables like how your tone and how you hold your uh your your mouth position and how you breathe there's all these little things that can either like uh, um dis uh disrupt that g note from being a g or whatever and like or just how that sounds and how it's interpreted and like the fact that it's coming from you literally you're not it's, you're not hearing it and then internalizing it you know but it's coming out and then you're hearing it it's like a different exactly. it's a different thing and it's a different challenge and like, and the sing and play is a whole nother thing too. In the front of band, like you're doing, and like, so it's um uh, for someone like you who's this multiple uh, multi instrumentalist is like the it sounds like the next big thing, you know? Like, how do I do this thing? The my thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no. Again, not deliberate, but it sort of just worked itself out. And I'm glad I did. It was a su- crazy challenge, and it was nice to be challenged. And not only in just the what you're talking about with the um like understanding your voice and what your, you know, where your voice can go, what should it sound like? What do I want it to sound like? But for me, um, writing, writing lyrics, that's for Blackheart. That's, you know, sort of Paul's role. Um, I enter at the end, we look at it together and, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's the the guy who does that there. And so for me, that was another like challenge. Um, So figuring out what I wanted, you know, what, what I wanted to say, what should, what should it mean? Um, but yeah, I'm glad I did it. It was a, <laughs> it was a fun exploration. That's awesome. You have a really, a uh, unique style too, with writing. Like, um, uh, is there a particular, like reset is really cool too. Um, and uh, stru- comp- compositionally resets really cool. Um, but sidetrack, but is there a particular cool. writer that, or a poet or like, is it Paul? Is it like hanging out with certain people that influenced how you write things or like, or your approach to writing? I think it's all of the above. And plus I'm a super avid reader. I love reading. It's one of my favorite things. So, um, ha- having read a lot 
and reading a lot. Um, I, I have a lot of words kind of floating around in sentences and structures and things that I like and appreciate um, happening. And also observation, um, yeah. just seeing certain things like really like I'm a very indirect um, in terms of like influence, musical influence, like the things that influence me musically are kind of like they're like ghosts and whispers of things that I've heard. And the things that influence me more directly are things like reading, observing the world. Um, and then they all just sort of come together, I think. That's awesome. I feel like musically that's what you want to do because if, uh, if you're like, oh, this guy's uh, – they sound like the Pixies, but they're not the Pixies. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like yeah. if you can get the, the vibe of a thing and then have your direct message be there, you know, that's kind of like the, the best way to do it. Like the going to the idea of that honest place, right? That we kind of talked about from the beginning that this person means what they say. And like, you know what? I kind of like the pixies too. And there's a vibe, not that I'm getting pixie vibes, random you know, example, but, uh, but that's super interesting. Like as far as like reading the pick your brain about that a little bit, like, are you like a, a novel guy, a philosophy guy? Um, I'm in, I'm into the novel format okay. uh, a lot. And I like reading things like anything that's that's um, cerebral makes you think. So in terms of philosophy, the things that make you question things, yeah, um, all of that's great. Or looking at a situation from different angles, wondering why it's occurring, not always just yelling about it. Yeah, like kind of questioning the nature of something is important to me. Um, but that, uh, let's see, like the last thing I read, Cormac McCarthy, amazing writer, like beautiful, just like amazing prose um nice. and dialogue good crazy dialogue um any anything that's smart and thoughtful yeah. um smart thoughtful and well written i like to read <laughs> and my, my favorite i like to say is um there's an author mervyn peak uh he wrote this thing called gorman guest it's a trilogy but he was also like um he was also an artist and this 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 gorman guest is basically actually i think it's titus grown is the first of the of the three and it's um, about this family who live in this like decaying castle that their, their, their previous aristocracy is just kind of falling apart and around them, literally their family and them and their home. <laughs> so I, I kind of identified with that um, a lot. That's a cool, that's a, a cool metaphor metaphor for it. And it's, I, yes, the novels way interesting too. Cause like the philosophical, uh, the philosophical standpoint or point, I feel like when it's in a narrative is more understood or you're able to relate to it more than the philosophy would be like the textbook. Like, here's a problem, here's the ways to look at it. But if you apply it to like a character and the situation that they're going through, there's that way to relate to it more and more in-depthly. Um, no, absolutely. No, I, I, super great point. I totally agree. And just we've all experienced all kinds of stuff. And when you see – that's the crafty writing I, I really like. Is when, And also with symbolism. Like I don't think it should be forced – I don't think it should be pushed at you. I think it should be there. And if you want to enjoy, I really love enjoying a story, yeah. but I like there to be sort of like under undercurrent or something happening beneath it. If you want to pay attention more, you can, but I think both things are kind of necessary. And I think some, you know, more academic writers focus on the, these literary devices and, yeah. you know, the more pop popular writers are more focused on story, but really I love when both of those things are happening together very well. Well, I agree. I think, like, I don't know, like, with anything that makes you think or feel, for me, like, if it's a film or if it's a novel, like, if I don't feel like I understood it and have to go back into it, and there's room within that text or that film to do that, that's when I know it clicked. 
you know, and I'm like, well, why'd they do that? Totally. Well, you know, anyway, okay. Yeah, so yeah. So you can put that in that, and like, wait, if I look at it in the story of the Four Horsemen, that or you know, fill in the blank, you like, it's so it's, it's so exciting when you find something to challenge your your understanding of a thing, and like, it's so way it's so much more entertaining to to do that and like pick your own brain about it. Um, Absolutely, I agree. And even just in, in terms of observation, which I find to be a big influence for me, it's yeah. it's just like watching how, how people interact with each other and, and, you know, maybe they're so close to it, or we all are sometimes. We fall into these routines and, and start behaving a certain way. And you see, I don't know, like, for just for instance, um, kind of reset was actually, that came about that I remember the moment that I started thinking about that was I was getting on a bus here. Um, I, I drive, but I hate driving. So here I just take the public transportation. But I remember getting on a bus and watching these people just swarm each other and like step all over each other to get on the bus. Hmm. And it was like, what the fuck, man? Like, how's this is just, it was like, it struck me as incredibly sad. And, hmm. um, and, and so I was like, what are these people are just like, you know, do they realize what they're doing? Are they just so entrenched in, in this routine that they don't see how, you know, <laughs> like sad and disappointing this behavior is and what was it? I, I think most of the time it's they don't because as soon as you see yeah. what you're doing like even with kids like when uh if they're treating one kid another way when you treat them like that they get it or you know what i mean like the the, the uh -huh. seeing yourself or even just hearing yourself recording wise you're like oh snap that didn't feel that good you know what i mean but um mm -hmm. that's a, that makes so much sense with a um after listening to that song quite a bit and hearing the the origin of it, <laughs> um, right. A side question with uh, the red step is the red step. I mean, I know right now everything is probably in probably where you're at now too. Is everything everything's like probably shut down? There not too much is going on publicly. Mm -hmm. But um, does red step plan to uh, get involved with basic rules at all? Like uh, Blackheart's doing. I think that's Paul's thing, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. Paul, I'm wearing that T-shirt right now, and I think <laughs> nice. and our our keyboardist Boris, that's his that's his Facebook. Like, oh, okay, cool. Backgrounds. Yeah, so I don't know if it's a direct, you know, not directly, but everyone like that's that's the idea. Okay, that's <laughs> I, a, think I think a that's... lot of our Sorry, all of our projects. I mean, you should those should those should literally be the basic rules. Yeah, <laughs> and... well, I think that's such a great um a great non pro a great idea and a great um project to be like pushing and like just kind of based off the story of reset, you know, it's, it leads to that a little bit. And like, that's, I think that's awesome that your band now is into it. Cause like, I'm hoping more bands get into it and hoping you guys can expand that and get a bunch of people involved. Cause like, it's a solid, it's a solid idea, man. And like, that's no, it's great. Yeah. No, I'll talk to Paul and see, you know, what, what he has in mind with, with certain things. But I mean, without it being, uh, you know, on the surface, it's like that's that's the interior already. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the idea. Awesome, cool, cool. Um, and do you is there any plans now? Like, is, as far as the shutdown, what's that look like where you guys are at? Like, is everyone locked in type deal, or it sounds like people well, are... okay, yeah, I'll explain how it how it um like how things look here and and how they happen. So there, we, we're currently on. Uh, we're at the peak of our third, I, what I think is the peak, yeah. I hope, of, our, of the third wave. Oh so there was the first yeah. one in like April, yeah. um, March, April. And so here the maximum, like the highest peak was like a little bit under 500 infections a day. And that was like the highest. 
And again, that same thing happened in all of Serbia, which has 7 million people for a bit of reference. Um, And then again, July, August, same deal, like peak, peak peak of 500 infections per day at the worst. And then now, two days ago, we had... 6,300 infections in one day, and it's it started growing. So can you imagine, like, 12, more than 12 times the amount of when the pandemic was, yeah. you know, people were taking it seriously in the beginning. Well, now it's 12 times worse. And I really, really hope that this is not some model of some kind of indication of what might happen in the States, because that would be, like, insanely catastrophic. Yeah. So, but it went from to answer your question also more simply like um, it it used to be it used to be like well people know uh, I I think my friend's dad had it or you know I know someone whose sister had it now it's like half the people I know you know <laughs> have it or know people who've had it personally I know tons of people here yeah. who've had it so that's that's what it is it's and it, so no no lockdown in the beginning they they did some pretty serious like really really strict lockdowns like no one allowed out on the weekends at all. Wow. And they had things shut down um, on the weekdays. I think you it was from 5 p.m. until 7 or 8 a.m. Like just no one could be out. So it was like seriously strict gotcha. in the beginning. But now there's really not much. It's just, you know, suggestion. And, you know, you should be wearing masks. But, of course, venues not working. Um, I think they're going to institute some more um, or implement rather some more um, measures coming up this next week. We'll see. It sounds like, at least with Cleveland, it's, I mean, number yeah, one is a little different, there. but they're doing the mm-hmm. same thing. They're like, yeah, you know, make sure you wear your mask, um, and maybe next huh. week we'll, you know, we'll f- figure something out. But um, the reason I bring that up is because, like, I'd imagine that leads to some more time recording-wise, and um, you mentioned a while ago about doing a solo, solo piano record with, like, space and like no words or whatever in cello uh, any idea or any thoughts about that maybe that project coming to fruition now that there might be as uh, less performance time that would be cool uh there's actually an idea that my wife and i have and, oh and incidentally um my wife mariana does all of the artwork for the red step so anything oh, cool. if anyone happens to see she's responsible for that and also she did the last two blackheart yeah. album covers nice like the like the waiter we did a vinyl release of the waiter series and a re-release of the first album and she did that stuff so she's a super talented designer yeah. um, but we had this idea to do some kind of visual and musical um combination that would be pretty much something like what you were talking about on my side yeah. <laughs> something like really space uh, just kind of dark and slow and and with a lot of space and maybe having one instrument um to to weave in and out of there and then having some kind of visual component um, if we did it live. But now the landscape has changed so much. I don't know like yeah. when that would happen. <laughs> well, well, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, it's super exciting that you're, you're getting involved with the studio and trying to like kind of like as, as someone like with your talent and ability and especially for composition, like to be involved with other projects and these, uh, up-and-coming bands like because to have that guy is so important to have someone you're when you're doing a record and like to have someone who's actually going to try to help and enhance what you're doing with the whole skill set like as an up-and-comer that you would not have had just because you're starting so to kind of go back to that i think that's so cool that you're diving into that now and like your whole skill set's going to make that 
like take whoever comes through those doors to the next level. So that's uh, that's a super exciting to hear that. And I don't know, I'm always about the youth moving forward. And yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you, like, I want to ask you about um, what what it is that you do. And okay. uh, you mentioned you, know, you mentioned teaching, working with kids. So if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so I'm a I'm a full time musician. I'm a, I'm out of Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I teach an adapted music course at a charter school for kids with autism, pre-K to senior high. And like, uh, so it's like an ac- academic course, but mm-hmm. I get to adapt it to where they are and what their needs are. And like, uh, so it goes from like very, cause I went to CSU for jazz and, um, music therapy. So I kind of, uh, come from that, but, um, so it goes from like students who, uh, are nonverbal, to students who are like totally like hyper focused on a thing it's like the whole spectrum of everything and like that's okay. my day gig and then i would do nursing home gigs and like i play in a an original rock group called c level letter c dash and uh in a couple uh, okay. of ensembles and stuff so like um and you know how it is like uh when if doing music you do a million things just this the, the that that's your thing and like so I knew the the band's been growing fairly well, and then like the whole pandemic stuff has kind of set it back. And luckily, I've been uh, doing the teaching thing for the last five years, and that's been more rewarding than I can ever ask for. Um, so that's kind of my spiel of what I do. Great, awesome! That's amazing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sounds great. And um, how? Yeah, like I I, I also teach. Um, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, teaching. So so when you mentioned. Um, you know, teaching it and how it, how it can be, uh, you know, especially with kids. I don't teach usually little kids, but more like teenagers. Gotcha. So, well, um, but I feel like those are the, ones... the, yeah, the idea was the idea. Oh yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say those are the ones that with the skill set you have, like they're going to run with it the most. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like little kids are fun and like you're working on those at like, like sharing and like interacting skills, but like with teenagers, it strikes because you you know that spot way way more clearly and you can like you know the golden nuggets they might need to hear but i'm sorry i didn't cut you off no 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 not at all yeah that's great no super good advice and thanks um uh, my idea here was was to do something sort of like the school of rock um except except have a different little bit of a different focus i mean i don't know a ton about school of rock but what i've seen is sort of like they get you know you gather the kids up and they they pick a song and they learn it and they learn their instruments my idea was a little bit different like being able to teach uh individual you know give individual lessons for whatever and figure out what they want to play you know because sometimes you might have a someone who's playing guitar but then you get them around a drum set that they've never really considered playing and then they're the killer drummer. Yeah. They're like, oh, wow, you know, I could do that. So kind of figuring out, first of all, like where, um, you know, each, each person's talent, you know, or what they are, really help them figure out what they want to do. And then from there, um, rather than having them play some kind of, you know, pick a song and play it is like teach them how to create, like teach them some songwriting basics and give them some ideas and kind of just direct them into being able to make their own thing and you know, I'm not sure how it is in the States, but here it's, it's like, I want, you know, this is a classic guitar lesson thing. Like, what do you want to do? I want to learn A, B or C song. Yeah. It's like, kind of wanted to change the focus to like a little more, you know, creative and giving them the tools to be, to be creative. That's awesome. I think that's great. But now with pandemic, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? So yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> of course definitely... 
studio so so they could then record their song there. So I tried to communicate the idea to keep have it all in the same house under the same roof. That's cool. Like that's so cool because you have those connections and you can do that. And like as a kid, especially a teenager, someone who's who has to connect, you know, you you become another type of validation. Like oh, Toby, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he knows what. Like we're actually gonna go record this. All right, and then you you kind of speak more clearly to them just because of your your background and your connections and like they see that and like that makes that whole experience more more real. And like when you're in that that age, that's what really strikes is when the things, shit, this is actually happening. And like I think you're gonna come up with a badass program, like when stuff gets better and like everything's when you're able to do stuff. I think it's gonna be really cool. And like I want to I want to touch base and hear that how that goes, man. That sounds awesome. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm looking forward to to it. it seems like interesting, exciting, and and helpful to other people, and you know. Maybe giving someone else a you know, different perception, helping them see things differently um, than they may have, figuring out where their talent lies. Um, you know, maybe they'll figure out that they, you know, want to be a writer. They are yeah. like, "What's this lyric writing thing all about?" And <laughs> who knows? Just opening doors a bit for people would be super awesome. Well, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, with the, when awesome. when it's possible um, is another issue. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Yeah. And yeah, you can combine it with the basic rules thing. Oh man, you got this lined oh. up. You got the. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, the the all the values and all some you know hope. Well, it's subjective, but good. Hopefully, good music. Yeah. And... Was it? It's so cool because like that's the, that's the punk ethic, right? There's the values, and you do the thing, and you express yourself, and you live up to the values you you claim you have, or the moral um mindset you claim to have, and like I don't know. Well. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, you got 13 songs with uh, Red Step, right? And two of them are out. I'm gonna put yes, that's right. Both of them on the pod, so I'll have one start it off, and I'll have one cap it. Um, hey, great, thanks. Yeah, there were two that we released prior to hooking up with Pravda Records, so there are four out. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I yeah, we've, that... we released the two singles, two singles through them in the last couple months, and then before that, there were a couple other things in the last few years. Gotcha. I'll have to dig those up, man. Cause like I, I saw the two on Spotify and the two on YouTube. They have the videos to go uh, go with it. Cause Howard sent it to me, and then I was able oh, to okay, yeah. navigate it. And like, I have to dig up the other ones, man. Cause I really dig what's coming out now. Like, I don't know, to, to, to do all the things. Like I'd listen to a shit ton of punk music and I like, just drink a shit ton of coffee. I mean, like, Ugh! and like, so that was <laughs> right up my vibe. Um, and like, it's beautiful stuff, man. Like, thank you. One oh yes, an interesting thing that I think is important. Um, the both reset and Black Summer were written around four years ago. Whoa. So Black Summer was actually a like that's literally about when when Trump was on the cusp of being elected. Yeah, like that was what that's about. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure that, and it just spilled out of me. I had yeah. no, it, the pen just moved itself, and I wasn't sure why it was like. What is this Black Summer thing? Um, it should be like Black Autumn or Fall or something. But I just kept it as it was, and it turned out to be this like super unfortunate kind of prediction of of, of <laughs> the state of things later. Vocal delivery um, on that's great too, man. Oh, thanks. What was it? Yeah, I was pissed pissed at Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if it's you know sadness is a different type of it's internalized as anger, it comes out a different way, and like 
Right, right. Um, yeah. And then uh, same thing with reset. Even though it had, it has this sort of connection of now with um, uh, some weird. Some there are some weird connections um, with that song and the current state of things. Um, but again, they were that wasn't like deliberate. I didn't yeah. try to. This they weren't a reaction to this situation. They were a prediction. Gotcha. Sometimes it just happens like that when you're like in that mindset of what could happen. There's like, a, I think there's a weird ether. Everyone's got these thoughts and it comes together somehow. And like, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Like with, well, with the, I'll tag this part at the, with the, the, I'll cut this little bit we're doing now into the rest of it because I think that's important oh. and it lines up with um, the story of Reset and like how it totally, or where it came with the other predictions with Black Summer involved with uh, the same mindset or like the same writing uh, kind of mindset of just reacting and like predictions part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Reacting to what could happen. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah I mean, I was even a little weird about having those released because yeah. I didn't want them to be at all perceived as a reaction. I felt that that would be a bit like distasteful. Um, okay. And so it's, that's the one thing that's important. It's, I was even weird about releasing them with this caveat. <laughs> so interesting. Well, that makes well. No, that makes sense because you don't want to be like, oh, I'm just just kind of doing the trend and preaching like everyone else is. But those are, you know, those are true feelings and thoughts, so they deserve to be out there. And I think, um, as a listen, like listening to it, and as like I, you can definitely dig in and get where the songs come from, but you can also not at the same time. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, like it, it's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, we didn't talk about that. Like this, this like direct. Sorry to go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say that that where you're going is where probably what I was gonna ask. So <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was a prediction. Um. So. <laughs> so yeah, I like lyrics. Like the lyrics for me that that um resonate most are the kind that are, um, for the most part, like in, indirect or interpretable. So, you know, you could have a group of ten people and they all might think the song is about something different. I don't know, like the you know Beatles stuff, and like no one knows, and they probably didn't either. So like even though like I, I tend to latch on to some kind of thematic thing um, for, for on my own, like for myself, yeah. Um, in terms of lyric writing, um, I like to I like things to to to. to work, sorry, I can't talk anymore. Um, <laughs> I like things to work out in a way that it, it's everyone can can sort of feel like their personal experiences can they can connect with it based on their personal experiences um and so i think i think that can help um you know things mean more to people when they listen so it's not you're not being preached at or told it's like here's this thing and and you may connect with it and it may not be what the what the author intended but you know if it connects great like and especially in a hopefully positive way um I find that I find that important, but then of course there's some pretty damn direct stuff that's great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Talking about yeah, campus. it's a weird uh, yeah. duality, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that allowing them to interpret themselves involves them, right? And anyone who's involved exactly. in something's more interested in it, and that's just like if you're part of the show, you're you're showing up to the gig, you know. And if you're just like, yeah, maybe I will, you know, I might just do nothing at home, but like. You know, when you're involved and like as a writer, when you can involve someone like that, it I think it makes impact more. But Toby, thank you so much for talking with me this last hour plus whatever. Uh, it's been great, man. I've really enjoyed digging into your music and researching your career, and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, thank you so much for for having me. It was a, a fun conversation. I know the, the podcast can be sort of weird and. Um, 
I, I've, I've tried previously to kind of like ask more questions and sometimes people are like, well, you know, <laughs> I felt like I'm breaking protocol. So, uh, it, it's interesting to this, this format. Um, and again, that was great. You were great. And, um, thanks, thanks for having me for yeah, sure. Thank you. It was thank fun. you so much for doing this. This was awesome. All right, guys, that was it. That was me and Toby Nathaniel to take us out. We got one more song from the red step. Here we go with the, the second release. Um, reset.